<clears throat> I remember when I was 13 years old seeing the miniseries. By the way, I wish they had more miniseries. They used to have some that really uh, impacted me, watching those every night on television. I remember seeing the, the miniseries Roots uh, by the book Alex Haley, and he also participated in the, writing the screen, uh, the screenplay. Uh, it was a, a fascinating tale and uh, uh, reminded me of the horrors of slavery and the, the depth of joy we should feel that we have freedom, that we live in a country that celebrates freedom. But that author, Alex Haley, has in his office, uh, he's dead now, he had in his office a picture which is very prominent. And you might think, why would he have this picture on his wall in a prominent place in his office? He had a picture of a turtle sitting on a fence, fence post. A turtle sitting on a fence post. And he was asked, why is that picture so special to you? And he said, whenever I start thinking I'm, I'm brilliant or start thinking more of myself than I should, I think about that turtle and understand he had to have help to get there. Uh, what a great perspective. We're talking as we get into week 16 of the story about a very sad time in the history of the people of God. And you might say figuratively that the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, they were turtles on a fence post. They did not realize that it was only with God's power, it's only with God's provision, it's only with God's blessing that they occupied a country that God had given to them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the very promised land. It's only with God's provision, with God's help, that they had gone as far as they had gone. And as we read in Second Kings, we see that those who forget God's blessings lose God's blessings. God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone or any country. What a pertinent message this is for us as Americans. It might be said that we have forgotten the help that established this nation. It might be said of each of us that we've come to a point in our life where maybe we have forgotten who got us to where we are. Losing God's blessings. One of the most uh, sad, tragic verses in all of Scripture. The second Kings chapter 17, verse 18. It says this, So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. The ten tribes that comprised the northern kingdom, they were conquered by the nation of Assyria. Assyria was a great world power of that time, and God removed his protection from Israel, and they were conquered and scattered. Those tribes, uh, they are not traceable anymore. Because God did not force himself on Israel, and Israel continued to chase after foreign gods. Israel continued to worship and believe in other gods and turned their back and rejected God. God removed his presence from them. What is blessing? If you read in scripture, you come to this understanding. The blessing of God is approval from God. 
That's why when we look at the Beatitudes, you can understand that is approved. You can substitute that everywhere you see blessed. Approval. But it also gives us a sense of provision. In the Old Testament, when it says that people receive the blessings of God, a lot of times it was talking about material blessing, physical blessing, uh, the food to sustain themselves, the, the rain that came down from heaven, uh, there will be showers of blessing, uh, the, the a means to, to buy things. That's what the Old Testament usually referred to when it says blessings. In the New Testament, that meaning uh, it widens. It becomes more the, the spiritual blessings, the well-being, the, the feeling confidence in life, no matter what happens. And so, God, in our context, as he interacts with us today, he gives us free will and allows us to choose faith, to choose to believe in him, to choose to rely on him, or he allows us to choose to do our own thing, to rebel against him, to do what we want. The Bible calls that rebelling against him sin, and there is a steep price to be paid for it. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The blessing of God, the wages of sin, that is the consequences of rebelling against God. And you can understand where blessing from God is a sense of, of contentment, a sense of, of well-being, of being provided for by God. When we choose our own way, ultimately those consequences come to us. Consequences that we don't sense the presence of God. Because God brings to bear in our lives the goodness of God. When he is gone, perhaps initially we feel a freedom as we do our own thing and don't seek to please him. But ultimately, that separation, those consequences come back. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, I don't think that's just physical death. I think it's emotional death. I think it's the death of relationships. I think it's the pain and the heartache that comes from being self-centered and selfish. This story would be totally depressing. Were it not for the rise of a man in the southern kingdom, Judah, who was named Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was a person that maybe we don't talk about so often, but we should. King Hezekiah shows us the power of one person to bring God's blessings, not only in their lives, but in the lives of those around them. I think Hezekiah gives us three lessons in discovering God's blessings. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today. Uh, you need to hear if you choose to go away from God, then there will be consequences. But I want you to hear that if you choose to come back to God, if you choose to follow the path of Hezekiah, that God's blessings can be yours. God's blessings can be mine. The first lesson is this. When distracted, seek God first. When distracted, seek God first. We read of Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 18. It says this, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, that is the, the worship centers 
to the foreign gods. He smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up, to t- up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. That is, God blessed his worship. God blessed him putting his priority in him. Now listen, a king had many distractions. Just like as we progress in our life uh, to have some successes, it is very tempting to, to fill our life with other things, to be distracted. But Hezekiah, with just a couple of exceptions, it is said of him he was the best king that Judah ever had. And listen, the Assyrian army has conquered the northern kingdom. They're not very far from the southern kingdom, Judah. But God raises up a man who will obey him and do the hard things. I'm sure it was unpopular for Hezekiah to tear down these worship centers that the people clamored for. It was hard for him to lead against those who wanted to do their own thing. But Hezekiah did that. He sought God first. And for that, God blessed him. Second Chronicles adds a little more to that picture. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple, in obedience to the law and the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And so he prospered. Would we all want to have prosperity from God? To share with you, in the Old Testament, that means material blessing. It means financial gain. But certainly this applies to the New Testament as well, to, to have a sense that God is there for us, that, that God can help us through whatever comes, that God, that we can be content in him and know that he'll provide for us. That's prosperity. It comes from from putting him first, from not letting other things distract us. Not letting uh, the appeals of media that dishonors God uh, come into our heart. Not allowing the temptation of, of material wealth to pull us away from worshiping God. To not that the, the freedom of having leisure in our life, because we don't have to work as hard as we used to, to to distract us from putting God first. These scriptures remind me of Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a a tree planted by streams of water. Whatever they do prospers. There's that word again. Not so the wicked. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We see that clearly here. Israel refused to put God first. Their kings were wicked, evil in the sight of God, and so it led to their destruction. But Judah had a king who was willing to go against the popular strain, 
Hezekiah. And because of Hezekiah, they prospered. Yesterday, we did a, a funeral service here uh, for one of our deacons, Glenn Hittis. Uh, Glenn was a, an amazing man. He, he was one of the most comfortable people in their skin I think I've ever known. Retired Chief Master Sergeant. Uh, he also led our benevolence ministry here for many years. And, and Glenn was a, a guy that, yeah, you know, he didn't have a big mansion, but he had the joy of the Lord that radiated through him. He also pulled a lot of pranks. <laughs> he, he was 84 years old, but about five years old in wanting to, to play with you. Uh, he'd go out the door on Sunday morning, and he always had something for me. Uh, one week he'd go out, and his, he'd give me, he was this big old guy, big old hands, and he could crush your hand most of the time when he shook it, but he'd give me a, <laughs> a limp, cold handshake. Uh, I still get the, the quivers down my spine from that. <clears throat> Another week he'd go out and say, now, what's your name? And w- another week he'd come out and say, I, you know, I think we let, might let you come back next Sunday. He was a, a prankster, but had God's kingdom as a priority in his life. Because of that, God prospered him. Because of that, God gave him joy. God gave him confidence. God gave him a trust that could not be shaken. Now make sure you hear me. If you put God first, I'm not telling you that everything will go rosy in your life. I'm not telling you that everything will be good. Bad things still happen to people who put God first. But I assure you, you will have much better tools, much better resources. You will be able to grow in spite of adversity. You will be able to prosper in the midst of peril. You'll be able to to know that God is here with you. One little child said when he got into an elevator to his mom, I got into this little room and the upstairs came down. Isn't that a great picture of what God's willing to do for us? If you go into your life seeking his presence, seeking his leading, seeking his will in your life, then the upstairs can come down. And in the midst of trial, you can be strong. You can prosper. Matthew 6.33 says it a little differently. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. I ask all of us today, including myself, who or what do I seek first? If I seek his kingdom and his righteousness, then God is ready and eager to bring showers of blessing into my life. So he is for you. First lesson, when distracted, seek God's kingdom first. Seek God First, second, Hezekiah shows us when fearful, pray hard. When fearful, pray hard. A couple great challenges Hezekiah had in his reign. He, as I mentioned, Assyria is on the doorstep. Assyria threatens them. 
And Sennacherib, who's the king of Assyria, he sees riches in Judah, and he wants to come against them. He kind of intimidates Hezekiah, and Hezekiah ends up giving him a lot of silver and gold, about in today's terms, 47 million worth to appease him, but that doesn't work. Sennacherib sends a letter to Hezekiah, and he says basically this, you think your God's going to protect you just like all these other nations that we've already conquered thought their God would protect them. Don't you know, Hezekiah must have been afraid for his kingdom, for his people. Hezekiah must have had fear, just as we fear different things. But I want, to, I want you to see what happens. Hezekiah is afraid, but see how he responds. This is in 2 Kings chapter 19. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. <clears throat> then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. He's afraid, so he hits his knees. He prays before God. What do you think God's response was? That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. <laughs> you know, that's like when your team throws the winning touchdown in the last second. That's what you just want to go, woo! When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. He sent this letter, you know, you think your God's going to protect you? Uh, he hadn't helped anybody else. And then you just see this mighty king with his tail between his legs heading back home. He didn't know who he was messing with. So also we have fears. Maybe they're legitimate. Maybe you have a health scare. Maybe you're not sure about your job, what's going on in your life. All kinds of things, and oftentimes with rational reason. But listen, I say to you, Hezekiah shows us the way. Now, you pray God doesn't always answer exactly like you ordered it. He, he doesn't always bring you exactly what you pray for. But I do know this. God is moved by the prayer of his people. I do know this. God answers the prayer of his people, and he brings the blessings that we need. Mommy, probably not the blessings that we want sometimes, but the blessings that we need. The second great fear Hezekiah had was he grew very ill. Tells us again in Second Kings, in those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. That's a prophecy from Isaiah, God's prophet. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully 
and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Syria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Again, you see God here, his prayers. Now, Hezekiah gives us a great lesson. Remember, I, I told you all those things about him seeking God first. Because it is important for us to, to be, live as righteously as we can before God as we pray to him. So that we're not, our prayers aren't blocked from him. And again, I can't always promise you God's going to exactly answer your prayer. But here, his mind has changed. The prophecy from Isaiah is changed because of his prayers. The best thing we can do when we're afraid is to pray. Theodore Roosevelt, when he was a little boy, he was terrified to go into the Madison Square Church. His mother didn't understand why. He kept saying to her, I'm afraid of the zeal. I'm afraid of the zeal. And she said, well, what, what does that mean? She didn't know if he was saying seal. No, he's talking about the zeal. And she got down a concordance and started going through verses that had zeal in them and with little Teddy. And, and finally, she got to John 2.17. He said, that's it. That's it. John 2.17, if you read it in the King James Version, says, uh, the, and the disciples remembered what is written, uh, the zeal of thine house has eaten me. <laughs> Sometimes our fears are unfounded. A lot of times our fears do have merit. But in that fear, I want you to remember what's written in Second Timothy. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I can testify to that fact. In the midst of trial, when it doesn't make sense, when it doesn't really bear understanding, God, as I prayed to him, has given me a spirit of power and of confidence. And so he will for you. So he can for you, just like he did Hezekiah. Third lesson. Now, you might think from all we've read about Hezekiah, he never struggled like we do. But struggle, he did. And the third lesson is this. When wrong, humble yourself and repent. Now, this is after all this good has happened. You, you can see, I think, what happened here in Second Kings. We're going to read in Second Chronicles, but from Second Kings... 21, you, I think you can see what happened. Hezekiah, as God miraculously heals him and gives him 15 more years of life. Hezekiah, as God blesses him and turns away the Assyrian army. God, Hezekiah uh, starts to forget who put him up on the fence post. He starts to forget all the help he's had to be where he is. And he gets proud. But Hezekiah's heart was proud. And he didn't respond to the kindness shown him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. 
Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, he grew proud. It's easy to do in good times to be complacent. It's easy to do to forget what got him there. Seeking God with all his heart. Praying to God consistently. Seeking to live a righteous life before God. The pride comes and he humbles himself and repents. What a great lesson for us. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11, verse 27 and 28. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the Lord cried out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Basically, you are a, a blessing from heaven, Jesus. You ought to feel good. Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of the Lord and obey it. The blessings of God come to those who hear the word of the Lord and obey it. Humility is a trait we all need to practice every day of our life. Gregory Peck, best known for starring in To Kill a Mockingbird, was with a friend one time at a restaurant in L.A., and it, the lines were long, and they didn't seem to be moving. People didn't seem to be getting done and moving and getting up. And his friend said to him, why don't you just go up and tell the, the head waiter who you are? And Gregory Peck said to him, well, if I have to tell him who I am, I'm probably not. Great words. True words. I tell you, to stay humble is something all of us need to remember. And after all, how are any of us here except by the grace of God? How do any of us have life and breath and goodness in our life without God? <clears throat> Oral Harshizer was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. 1988, he had a magical season. 23 wins. His team won the NL championship, went into the World Series. He had the record which still holds all these years later. 59 consecutive scoreless innings pitched. And so Oral Hershiser pitches in the World Series. In game five, they're up three to one. He's pitching against the Oakland Athletics. The ninth inning, he's working on a shutout. If he goes out and wins this game, the Dodgers win the World Series. And as the camera zoomed in on Oral Hershiser in the dugout in the ninth inning, you could see him against the wall and they focused on his face and his, his lips were moving. And so after the World Series, he ended up getting the shutout and they won. He goes on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Some of you don't know who that is. He was before Jimmy Fallon. And Jay Leno, way back in the dark ages. They did have TV then, but only three channels. So he goes on Johnny Carson, and Johnny Carson starts saying, what, what were you saying in the dugout there in the ninth inning when those TV cameras on you? He said, I wasn't saying anything. I was singing. And so they say, Johnny Carson says, well, sing it for us. No, I don't want to sing. All the crowd starts going, sing it for us, sing it for us. And so finally, he starts to warble. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. 
Praise him, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Johnny Carson is speechless. One person in the crowd starts to clap, and they all break into applause. Can you imagine? You have won the Cy Young Award. You are on top of the world, a World Series champion. And in the dugout, you're praising God. Realizing without him, you wouldn't be anywhere. And so it is for us today to decide, how is it that we got up on the fence post where we are right now? God blesses those who put him first. God blesses those who pray hard. God blesses his people who are called by his name, who humble themselves and repent and live to serve him. Father, we pray for ourselves, where there is pride in our life, we repent of that today. Where there is sin in our life, we confess that today. We thank you for your blessings. We ask you, Father, to grow our faith, to grow our humility. Help us to put you first. And I trust, Father, that the blessings will flow. We come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. If you have a decision to make for the Lord.